And here we go. Um, it was truly a masterpiece. I don't know about all that. Ugh, absolutely the worst movie ever. Hands down, bar none, the greatest action spectacular ever. Well, uh, the other one just stuck them up. Are you asking me? I promise I'm not going to sing this time around. Welcome to Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Kavanagh. With me, as always, Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film, past or present, absolutely amazing, or like the movie we're going to talk about today, just pure rubbish. <laughs> All that we ask of each other is don't be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zach. Uh, wow, man. You must not have found dry land, apparently. Jeez. I, <laughs> I didn't know. I threw uh. myself into the water and let the sharks eat me as I waited. To die. You found that dry sense of humor is what you found. Jeez, man. Movie sucks. You're, you're a buzzkill. <laughs> no way, dude. I'm the party. My name is Rod and I like to party. <laughs> I do. <laughs> oh, man. Goodness. Anyways, how are you? I am fabulous. Now that the movie is over, I am great. <laughs> so much hatred. No. So, much ang- so much teenage angst in your voice. I Jeez. feel great now. You're like those kid, those kids on Cobra Kai. <laughs> oh yeah, I should I should take karate. Start fighting in your high school against other people when they <laughs> yeah, offend just you. Beat the shit out of a bunch of kids. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that show so much. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's a good movie. Yeah, it is. It's a good show, rather. There you go. <laughs> and they had three really good movies. And then one that was kind of all right. <laughs> and then the one that was more kung, <laughs> and then one that was more kung fu than karate. But whatever. What was the kung fu one? The one with Jaden Smith? Yeah. Oh yeah. Take jacket off. Put jacket on. <laughs> is that what it is? I don't remember. Yeah. That came out just before I moved here. Or to um Seattle, I think. Really? Oh well. That's, I guess that makes sense. It was a long time ago. Yeah. I mean, I don't really know. It doesn't matter. I have moved back, so who cares? And I didn't like the movie. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You own it on Laserdisc. Yeah. I don't think that is accurate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, how are you? Oh, is everything well? Are you in, in good spirits today? Uh, yeah, man. Um, it's it's really rainy today. It's ra- been raining all day. It's supposed to rain pretty much all week, but... I'm doing good. I'm in the in the real estate market right now. I'm looking for some property to buy. So who oh, knows? Yeah. Rio Rancho? Yeah. Fingers. Rio Rancho. Got Fingers crossed. Land. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I'm going to open up a ranch and get Kevin Costner to run it like open range or like Yellowstone or something. I haven't even seen Yellowstone, but I'm imagining that's what it's about. Kevin Costner is always a good cowboy. So <laughs> he's really good at playing the most uninteresting human being on the planet. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, that's true. Pretty much. But yeah. Uh, but I mean, other than that, you know, the things that I'm watching are like uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away on Friday. And so um, I watched the RBG documentary because I had been meaning to watch it. And I figured what a perfect time to honor her. Uh, really good documentary. She was such a badass woman. Very interesting to see what's going to happen moving forward. So we'll go from there. But uh, and then I watched 21 Jump Street. I hadn't seen that since it came out in theaters. I was looking for 22 Jump Street, but that's nowhere. So I don't remember if that one was that very funny, though. Did you see the second one? Uh, I didn't see it. Okay, yeah. I don't know if it was very funny or not, because I only saw it that one time. Then I um, started watching a show that I think you would really like. I watched What We Do in the Shadows. 
it's just essentially the the TV version of the movie. They did a spinoff where they're in in the U.S. and they're in Staten Island. And dude, it's so funny. You would you would die. You would love it. There's well, a lot of good that cameos. You told me that I can't ever watch it. You would hate it. You would you would hate it more than than this movie. But uh, yeah, it's it's really good. And then I uh, got the alpha for Call of Duty Cold War, and I played that this last weekend. A couple uh, multiplayer matches. Um, it was okay. It wasn't anything to write home about. I know it's still an alpha, but uh, it, it wasn't anything that was too. I don't know. It was like okay. I did pretty well for the most part. I only played played like two or three matches, but I was kind of bored. So it might take a lot more for me to buy to to buy it when it comes out, though. Cool. But but that's it. What about you? <laughs> I'm good. Working hard for the monies. Uh, as far as motion picture shows go, I watched a fighter last night, seen it a couple times. Pretty good. Uh, watched straight out of Compton for like the upteenth time and hot rod for like the 600th time, <laughs> uh, plowing through the vow, the, yeah. the documentary, uh, with the, the crazy cult and sex trafficking and Keith Rainier. Oh, what a creep dude. Yeah. So wait, you watched the latest episode, right? Episode four yes uh without spoiling anything for anybody i don't think so then when does it come out on sundays um i think yes i've seen four episodes okay Okay, i've seen four episodes yes so you saw like when when ali mac met him for the first time at volleyball and stuff dude i was just oh i felt like i needed to take a shower after that because it was so gross yeah the whole volleyball thing is weird (laughs) it's so weird (laughs) It's so weird. Yeah, I just I don't know, man. It's some dude in this in these shorts and the headband playing volleyball is trying to tell me about how to understand life. I'm just going to tell him to take two steps back and fuck his own face. And I'm just I'm going to get out of there. How are you going to get your sash, though, man? You won't be getting no I sash. I don't need no sash. I'm OK with it. I, I, I am. I am comfortable with my choices. And uh, so that's just really dirty. It makes me sad. And and in, in episode four, uh, it's, it deep dives into some of the other uh, members, and one of which is a nice young lady named uh, India that was a very clever, smart young woman, and she does not see uh, this organization for what it truly is and how vile it is. And and it's it's so crazy to see this self-destructive path that these people have chosen and from the outside looking in you're like how crazy do you have to be and um you know what's interesting is there was a a line in it that that caught me off guard and that was that uh you know we've talked about cults a couple of times of all things on the show and you know i have said uh you know I, i don't know how damaged i would have to be to to fall victim to something like this but they brought up an interesting point that they don't look for damaged people. They look for the the clever ones and the smart ones and the outgoing ones and the beautiful ones because they can get more members. And I was thinking to myself, "Huh, that's interesting." Because if right. if if there are if they're an intelligent person, um, you know, not necessarily book smarts, but just uh, prancing outside of the box, so able to to look at the world differently, uh, you know, you would be way more receptive to. Uh, accepting something outside of the norm, right? So mm-hmm. I, that totally, uh, as, as obvious as that sounds, I didn't even think about it. I was like, holy shit. 
That is weird thinking about that. I, and I wonder how, because it sounds like there were quite a few people that got out uh, while the getting was good. And right. I'm curious on what they, what their reasons were, like Kristen Crook, right? So she got out. So I'm wondering what her reason was. And I wonder if they're going to explain it more in the documentary, but right. it's uh, very fascinating to me. <laughs> it really uh, is. <laughs> it's, it, it blows me away because I'm listening to this stuff and I'm just, you know, as I'm hearing it, I would be that person in there shaking my head, crossed arms, and I, I don't care what they would do or say. I'd be like, this is bullshit. I'm leaving, <laughs> like, no matter what. And I just know who I am. So that blows me away that some of these people were so bought into this. Right. But it's just, uh, it's, it's fascinating to watch. No, totally. There's, um, there were a couple of moments that really made me think, wow, that's, it's actually kind of impressive. And I don't know if I talked about it on this show or if I talked about it on Geek Legacy, but there was this moment where it might have even got cut from both. But ultimately, there's this part where uh, there's a Roman numeral nine and they say, add, how can you add a line to turn this into a six? And I'm like looking at my TV like that's impossible. You can't do it. And then they just draw an S in front of the yeah. Roman numeral nine. Yeah, I was I like, no shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, I thought it was like the coolest thing ever. And I was just like, fuck, that is smart. Like I, I would have stared at that thing until I died and I would have never figured it out. And uh, like just little things like that would, would just wow me at some sort of leadership conference or something like that. I'd be like, fuck yeah, dude, that's how you do it. You know, I don't limit yourself to to a, a straight line. Who says the line can't be curvy? And I'm just like, fuck, you got to remember these things. And so, um, I don't know. I thought that was pretty brilliant. So anyway, um, definitely a good documentary. You should check it out. HBO has got it figured out on how to make amazing documentaries. Dude. Same with Netflix. I'm watching one on Netflix uh, called uh, Challenger, The Final Flight. And it's dealing with the, the tragic liftoff that happened in 1986. And, you know, I remember when that happened. I remember watching on TV as a child. And um, it's one of my first real memories uh, in school, actually. And uh, it's, it's crazy. And, and you know, I always had sort of my idea of what I thought happened. I remember hearing, as I got older, uh, different explanations. And then reading up once the Internet was a thing, you know, just becoming a, a Wikipedia expert, as it were. But it's definitely way more interesting to watch these events unfold and talking to previous uh, employees of NASA and all the different experts, the the family of the uh, crew members, the alternate for the crew members. And it's, it's, it's brilliant really, to be honest with you. It's, it's so good. So check it out. If there's ever been any sort of uh, little space boy uh, or a girl in you at all it is some fascinating stuff just to see the the level of excitement that was coming with this uh, idea of anybody can go into space you know you don't just have to be an astronaut this was sort of that pioneering era of you know eventually we're all going to be able to go to space and it's pretty pretty crazy yeah there was a teacher on board wasn't there yeah and and uh, that's the thing right she was gonna, she's a science teacher and she's gonna be teaching stuff in space and and there was an alternate, too, just in case she couldn't go. So, I mean, what do you do when you're that alternate, right? Like, you're the one that doesn't get to go on the shuttle and you survive. That's got to yeah. be a crazy feeling. Hey. You know, I mean, I, there's people out there that, that didn't get on that plane for 9-11, right? Or they didn't go to work that day and they, they literally dodged 
you know, a bullet coming into the building. And so it's so crazy to think about just a different path that was, that was taken in, a, in an instant, your whole life changes forever. That's so crazy. That reminds me of uh, Benjamin Button. I really, you know, I enjoyed that movie and there's a part in it when Daisy, uh, Kate Blanchett is, is talking about, I think, well, actually Brad Pitt's narrating it, but talking about little things that, that happen when Daisy gets hit by a car and he's like, you know, the taxi driver was late because he broke up with his girlfriend or something like that. And then they, they kind of go through, I don't know if you saw it or not, but it's so interesting. It's so interesting. Like, cause he explains, you know, if you, if maybe that taxi driver had stayed with his girlfriend, or maybe if that milk delivery guy was five minutes earlier, then Daisy wouldn't have got hit. You look at all these things and all these little factors that kind of add up. And that, that to me would blow my mind, especially something like the, you know, United, United 93. If, you were like, oh, shit, I, I missed my flight. I'm going to be late. And then you l- literally dodged a tragedy. It's pretty, pretty crazy to think about. It really is. There was um, there was this one time where uh, Randy and I, Randy from the Geek Legacy podcast, we were on our way to lunch. And it was raining. And we were walking to my car. And I was like, man... I don't, I don't really feel like driving. Do you mind driving? And then we had to go walk to his car, which is on the other side of the parking lot. And, uh, I mean, it wasn't just because like, I didn't feel like driving. It was just, I, I want to say that I got like a weird feeling about it, but I was just like, eh, yeah, why don't you drive? And we got in his car and wouldn't you know it? 30 seconds later, there was an accident at the next intersection. Jeez. And I don't know if we would have been before that or after it or in it, but we both kind of looked at each other like, holy shit, dude, <laughs> that could have been us. <laughs> right. And right. Uh, it was a weird feeling. I'm not going to lie. That's crazy, man. Yeah. Oof. And yeah. I don't like it. Pass. Crazy stuff. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of crazy, uh, we're going to talk about the movie Waterworld today. It's from 1995. And as you know, from the opening 10 seconds of this podcast, I actually hate this movie. I think it sucks. I think it's so terrible and boring and dumb and. And it was really hard for me to sit through and watch it. It came to us as a recommendation from the Twitterverse. Uh, thank you, Mr. Uh, Gabriel uh, at Gabitron for coming up with this one. Um, you owe me two hours and 16 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, holy shit. The movie was directed by Kevin Reynolds. You know him from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, The Count of Monte Cristo, Tristan, and He's Old. Not he's he's not old. Tristan isn't old. It's <laughs> Tristan and he's old. Um, the film was written by Pistol Pete, Peter Rader, and uh, David Tui. Now I feel like we just did a David Tui movie. What <laughs> we was did that? He, Chronicles of Riddick. He wrote. There you uh, go. David Tui wrote Pitch Black and Chronicles of Riddick. Holy <laughs> and shit. I think I think Riddick because you were saying Tui sounds like a Canadian currency. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do we yeah. ever fact check that? Is there a Tui? Uh, Dollar. I, I didn't fact. I didn't fact check it. There's a loony, okay. but I don't know about a loony no and a tui. I don't, I don't yeah. think so. It's one of those less printed ones, like the two dollar bill that you find at the Franklin Mint. There you go. <laughs> uh, nope, I don't see anything. Okay, this says David Tui. All right, fair enough. <laughs> uh, thank you for writing this movie. I appreciate. Uh, it is the film stars, rather, Kevin Costner, Gene Triplehorn, Dennis Hopper, 
Tina, oh man, what is it? Majorino or Majorino? How do you say it? I think it's Majorino. Majorino, okay. Yeah. Uh, Michael Jetter, Gerard the Murphy, who is the blondie with the dumb hair for two hours and 16 <laughs> minutes. And then you got r.d.call. And he's uh, normally a bad guy in movies, but he's the enforcer in this one. He's the guy with the, with the John Voight-ish face that's just angry at the world and uh, and kind of helps, but not really. <laughs> he's, uh, he's good people in this movie for once. He keeps the peace. That's all he does. Yeah. He keeps the peace. Yeah, there you go. He's a peace officer, like quieter. And as far as critical reception goes, huh. This is a fun one. Uh, it is 46% on the old Rotten Tomato there. Um, it's uh, 46 by the critics, 43 by the audience with a little tipped over box of rotten popcorn. They just, uh, they don't like it. It's It sucks. And uh, it's unfortunate. We have uh, Dolores Barclay from the Associated Press. She says, Costner is totally humorless and as dreary as the landscape he travels, and the uninspired and often inane dialogue, and Peter Rader and David Toohey's script doesn't help. How about that? It's an, an astute observation, Dolores. <laughs> I'm proud of you. We have David Anson from Newsweek. Waterworld is a pretty damn good summer movie. There, I said it. It's a breezy, clever entertainment with stirry effects. Yeah. Um, I've never used "sturry" as an adjective, but sure, why not? Yeah, oh, really. uh, Mick LaSalle from the San Francisco Chronicle. He says it's <laughs> here. We go. It's a genuine vault at greatness that misses the mark but survives. Huh. Um. So did he like it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Two out of four. It's a fifty fifty. Huh. <laughs> he should he should have just said it's a movie question mark. <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh let's see here. Uh Sol Harris from Starburst. He says Ooh, offers a true Yeah, I know. I like the pink ones. Pink ones are pretty good. So good. I don't I don't I couldn't tell you what flavor is what. I don't even look. I just kinda shove them, peel them open and shove them in my goddamn <laughs> mouth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's kinda how I do it. I don't I don't know flavors. The only thing I do know I don't like is like the black jelly bean. Oh, yeah. I will die. As far as flavors go, as soon as it goes in my mouth, I was like, oh, shit. That's a black one. Black jelly bean. Give me some of the yellow and don't be stingy now. (laughs) (laughs) Don't get cheap on me. Yeah, I know. I like the pink ones, too. Um, The pink (laughs) jelly beans. That's good. Anyway, there's like some weird. I don't know if it's a white one or a weird... There might be a couple of different shades of green, but one of them is pretty gross, too. But that's neither here nor there. Anyway, back to the back to Mr. Harris of Starburst offers a true extravaganza of epic proportions, populating its world with colorful characters and genuinely thrilling spectacle in equal measure. I don't. uh, Gosh, I just don't agree with that. I feel like so many of the action scenes are just people. Making noise and <laughs> check out my jet ski. Right? I just I don't know. I don't I don't get it. I I get that action is happening, but nothing is cool to watch. I'm just like, all right, whatever. It's uh 
Huh. It's like it's like a the, the Mad Max, but with a little less dirt and more water. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't get. Um, Interesting. We'll, we'll we'll get into that though. Uh, let's see here. The budget on this film, interestingly enough, uh, was originally going to be like three million dollars, like total total low B budget. Uh, I think it was like Roger Corman or someone that was going to produce it. Uh, mm-hmm. He does like all those old B budget films. He's like, yeah, I got three million dollars. Let's make it happen. <laughs> and then it turned into a hundred million dollar budget, and then ultimately a hundred and seventy five million dollars, which at the time in 1995 was uh, that was a lot of quiche. And um, I, that turned some heads. And that's probably why it got such a, uh, it was under such a microscope because it's like for $175 million, you better make a kick-ass fucking movie. This better be fucking the Beverly Hills Cop 2 of water movies. And it wasn't. And we have that. Opening weekend, it did a whopping $21 million. It grossed in the United States at $88 million and worldwide $264 million. Boom. Yeah. Boom indeed. Sink that fucking film. It sucks. <laughs> There's a lot of fun trivia for this movie. And I mean, I sat one thing I like to do after I watch certain movies is I go to IMDb and I read the trivia because I think it's it's fun to get backstory on. It's fun to kind of hear what what happened and just little tidbits of information. But this thing, I spent a good 30 minutes reading just all these insane facts. And so I tried to limit it to maybe like six or seven, but here we go. So it is rumored that director Kevin Reynolds and Kevin Costner had a huge squabble over the film, resulting in Reynolds walking off the project and left Costner to finish it. Reynolds was quoted as saying that Kevin Costner should only star in movies he directs. That way he can work with his favorite actor and favorite director. Ooh, <laughs> shade. And then Kevin Costner personally invested $22 million of his own money into the film. That's a lot of freaking money. So he obviously had a vested interest in this, but I almost wonder if it's like, dude, I, I'm in, in too deep now, so I kind of have to do it. Um, then after, after Kevin Costner showed interest in the film, he insisted that his friend Kevin Reynolds be given the director's position and Charles Gordon be the producer. Reynolds initially refused because of major disagreements between him and Costner on the set of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Gordon had to bring Reynolds and Costner together and act as an intermediate before the two made amends. Later, Costner had another falling out with Reynolds over the film's direction. Yikes. So he went into it. He should have listened to his gut, man. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. But then, uh, yeah. Kevin Costner stayed in an oceanfront villa with a butler, chef, and private swimming pool for $4,500 a night. (laughs) Crew members were forced to live in uninsulated condominiums that were subject to temperature swings of up to 122 degrees Fahrenheit. This inequality of accommodations contributed to onset hostility and low morale. What a a piece, man. Why why, why has Costner got to do that? He's your buddy. I don't like him. Uh, Kevin Costner demanded the VFX crew hide his receding hairline digitally, which was a, which was not a cheap feat in 1995. That one blows me away. Like he was that vain and that concerned about his hair that they had to re- remove his receding hairline. <laughs> I'd have been like, have, have you? <laughs> no, I'd be like, have you tried sucking less? I mean, maybe if you just grow your hair, we, we could save some money. Man, my hairline is receding now, and I'm just kind of like brainstorming what I'm going to do when it gets to a point. I'm just going to start Jason Statham in it and like shave it yeah. off. Talk with a British Brace accent. 
Yeah, yeah. So there you go. And then finally, largely due to the input of several big parties, including production company Largo Entertainment, Universal Studios, and star Kevin Costner, the script underwent 36 different drafts involving six different writers. Original writer Peter Rader had already written seven drafts before he was replaced, and the script was constantly being rewritten during filming. And you said, and we were talking about this earlier, Joss Whedon actually came on for about seven weeks and worked on it, and he was quoted as saying it was a nightmare to work on set. So fascinating to me because this this budget is so big and yet it sounds like the production was a complete disaster so i'm uh i'm fascinated by that but um i know you're really excited to relive this so i'm gonna read you a quick synopsis all right so the polar ice caps have melted and the world is now covered in water only small groups of humans survived by fortifying floating towns called atolls when a lone mariner <laughs> called what <laughs> atolls oh atolls okay or atolls atolls a holes when a lone lone mariner approaches an atoll to trade actual bona fide genuine dirt he encounters helen a shopkeep longing for escape more importantly he encounters enola a curious child with a mysterious tattoo on her upper back as the Mariner tries to leave, he is accosted, accosted by various Atollers who find out that he is a mutant with gills and webbed feet. The Atollers capture him and he awaits his sentence in a suspended cage. Local mad scientist Gregor tries to barter safe passage for him, Helen, and Enola, explaining to the Mariner that the tattoo is a map to dry land. The, Mariner ex- the Mariner's execution is cut short as a group of Oce- oceanic pirate smokers attack the Atoll, headed by the villainous Deacon. As mayhem ensues, Helen strikes a deal for dry land and helps the Mariner escape his cage. The Mariner, Enola, and Helen are able to evade the smokers and safely exit the city. The smokers <laughs> devise a plan to hunt Mar- the Mariner's crew as they sail on the deep blue sea. Back on the boat, the Mariner debates whether or not he should keep the women with him. This fighting and bickering ensues through the next hour as the Mariner ultimately comes to terms and befriends the two. After several smoker encounters, the Mariner uses his sailing abilities to defeat the baddies and escape. After a very close run-in, the Mariner tells Helen to give up her belief in dry land that it isn't real. The Mariner takes Helen underwater and shows her the remains of metropolitan cities. As the two ascend to the boat, they are surrounded by the Deacon and his gang of smokers. The Deacon kidnaps Enola and almost kills the Mariner and Helen, who narrowly escape underwater. The two make their way back to their now-burned-down ship and decide it's a perfect time to confess their love to each other for some weird reason. Just as all hope is lost, Gregor miraculously appears above them in his hot air balloon, saving the day. Very deus ex machina. The the group rendezvous with an even smaller group of atollers, or atollers, who debate going back for Enola. The Mariner is done having discussions and takes off on a solo mission to rescue his friend. The Mariner goes on a killing rampage as he sneaks aboard the smoker's Exxon Valdez oil tanker, making his way towards the deck. After a raucous godlike speech from Deacon to his peons, the crew begins to row as the Deacon decides he wants to kill Enola. This is cut short by the appearance of the Mariner, who tells Deacon that he wants the girl. The Mariner drops a flare down an oil pipe at an oddly convenient explosion occurs, killing many in the process. The Mariner goes on another killing rampage to try to get Enola, and the Deacon tries to fly away with her, but is stopped dead in his tracks by a well-placed anchor. 
The Mariner reunites with Enola and the two are picked up on a hot air balloon by Gregor, Helen and the enforcer. And the, as the crew flies away, the Deacon is able to shoot Enola into the water. The Mariner does a quick bungee jump and saves Enola as the Deacon crashes his jet ski into two others. Gregor is now able to read Enola's map and the crew float for days. Finally, they have reached dry land. Enola remembers her home and the others rejoice in their survival. After realizing that he is not cut out for dry land, the Mariner decides that he must head back to the sea. He says his goodbye and sails away to the great blue ocean that is Waterworld. Boom. Boring. Atolls. And atoll is a ring-shaped reef. If we don't get no tolls, then we don't eat no rolls. There you go. So, anyways. Enola, I hardly know her. That's rude. But <laughs> so, um, when was the first time you saw this movie? Um, I don't know, nineteen ninety-five something. <laughs> uh, what did you see it in theaters? Yeah. Do you remember the release date? You're always so good at this. Uh, it was the end of July. Um, but I, no, I think I saw it in August. I didn't see it right when it came out. Um, I was busy winning, and then this movie made me lose. <laughs> and. Wow. Uh, yeah, I fucking hate it, dude. I hate this movie so much. I think it sucks. And I'm not, I I'm I would say that I'm a fan of Kevin Costner, as it were. Like when I saw this, I went in thinking, you know what? I fucking love Robin Hood. I love Silverado. I love fucking Build of Dreams. So I mean, I'll make it work. But I hated this movie. Interesting. Wow. I um I did not see it in theaters, but I do remember I was a young lad. And I was probably around eight years old when this came out. I do remember my my older sister's friend was over and he was talking about it. And he's like, Gene Triplehorn. Oh, yeah. And you get to see her butt. So, um, yeah, but uh, I, I used to watch this on stars all the time. Like it was on stars like every goddamn day. You know, how Shawsh- <laughs> Shawshank. I know, right? Shaw- Shawshank was on TNT like every 10, 10 hours. Basically, they just yeah. repeat it. This is a. Uh, this is how I felt with stars. Waterworld was like featured every 10 hours or something like that. It's crazy stuff. But I, I think that was the first time I saw it. Um, this is probably this viewing the other day was probably my third or fourth time seeing it. Oh, yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's OK. It's uh, nope. no. But um, did you enjoy watching it? At least you didn't enjoy anything about it. No, I, I hate this movie. I hate it so goddamn much. I think oh, it damn. is so boring. I I'm not not a fan. I I don't like how Kevin Costner doesn't really talk. You know, he's just like oh. <laughs> <laughs> looking, <laughs> cranking his little wheels. He's got the flying jib, and then 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 the credits. I'm like, oh my god. And then like fucking Dennis Hopper is literally the same person in every movie he's ever. I know. Made. I know. Just like this is fucking water world man and i just i got cigarettes and i got a big ship and i got jet skis man and to me he's like the same in apocalypse now blue velvet speed pop quiz hot shot you know it sucks and so i i can't stand it i think the only movie where he's even remotely different is in true romance when he has that scene with christopher walken uh that's a really good scene and I think he really shines and that's one of his best moments in his entire acting career. If, if I had to pinpoint, of course, obviously the man's a legend and everyone loves him and that's great. But for me, he's just Dennis Hopper, you know, having some kind of rant for two hours. Yeah. 
He's great. I loved him in Hoosiers. And I mean, I, I think Dennis Hopper is great. He, he, he works what he can do, right? So he plays that good villain. I agree with you that Deacon is a lot like the, the bad guy from, from Speed, you know? Tell that sun devil to keep her hands on the wheel or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> but a wildcat. That wildcat. That's what it is. It wasn't a sun devil. It was a wildcat. But yeah. So, um, you know, and, and, and I'll go back to Kevin Costner. He, I liked him too. I don't know if I've seen, like, I guess I have seen quite a few movies that he's in, but I didn't really have a, I was like a 50-50 on him. And reading some of the shit about the behind the scenes, it just really rubbed me the wrong way. But, you know, he's definitely been in a lot of, films the likes of dances with wolves jfk the bodyguard field of dreams and even like bull durham uh he's also been in several and i i put these in quotes action films in which he kind of portrays his own style of laid back don't really do too much like action uh movies like the postman robin hood wyatt Earp, open range and no way out i will argue no way out's a little more action-packed than those other ones but he still kind of is just a normal dude are you sold on Kevin Costner as like an action star like we see in the Mariner or like he was trying to be? Um, I, That's a good question, because I know one of my favorite roles ever for him is uh, the role of Jake. And he is in Silverado and he's just like this young and wild and crazy outlaw. And he's a lot of fun in that movie. And there's this part where he's like standing at the corner of this house and there's these two goons that are kind of walking on each side of the, of the patio or whatever. And he kind of fixes his arms and then he's like, Hey, and then he pulls out his guns and shoots them both at the same time. And it's really cool. And it's a lot of fun. And as a kid, I was like, yeah, fucking Kevin Gossner, I'm going to be a cowboy. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and so that was really my first, uh, you know, foray into Kevin Costner. And I was in love with him. I was like, Oh my God, this guy's such a badass. And, um, and then I had Robin Hood, which, again, was really fun at, at the ripe age of whatever, 12 or 13. I didn't really care that he wasn't speaking with an English accent. It was just Kevin Costner being Robin Hood. Right. And so I was cool with that, too. And then just when I sat down to watch this movie, I was like, I don't know about all that. <laughs> <laughs> this movie just sucks. And uh, I don't know. It, just, it wasn't it wasn't good. And, you know, it's funny. Speaking of the theater. My, my friend Brian, he saw this in, uh, I believe it was Laughlin. It was either Laughlin or Vegas, but he had the worst seat in the theater. He was in the front row all the way to the right. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so I hate that. Oh, he had, it was sold out, and he had to sit there and watch this movie <laughs> start <laughs> to finish in the worst seat ever. So uh, every once in a while, whenever that movie pops up, I just picture him just all turned in his seat, irritated, looking up and. It makes me laugh. <laughs> it's 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 very interesting though because I think there's something to be said with you know Costner. He he didn't really strike me as a great action star, and I don't even really know if he did much to warrant being an action star in this movie. He wasn't doing things like I don't know if he did his own stunts, but I mean he wasn't doing things that really warranted what I would think of like a Bruce Willis or uh, gosh who else. I don't want to say Steven Seagal, but, you know, like a Keanu Reeves or something back back in the 90s. Right. And so I would consider those guys, you know, far and above action stars compared to Kevin Costner. I think he was trying to dip his toes in too many things. And with this one, I I liked his character, but I wasn't sold on on. Yeah, his brooding kind of mumbling and just being a dick to everybody. It was it didn't really fit 
what I'd seen from him before. So no, I wasn't, I, I don't think I'll ever be sold on him as an action star. Now as a cowboy, like you were saying, like Silverado and stuff. I mean, you got open range, Wyatt Earp. He was in Hatfields and McCoys. He, he's in Yellowstone. I can believe that. Cause I feel like he is a cowboy in real life. So that's fine. That's his I like, Dennis I like Hopper. Tim Cup. I mean, I, <laughs> oh, like, I love Tim know, Cup. He, he's good. He's a good talker, I guess. <laughs> like I like the way he, the way he acts in his movies when it's like a serious role. Yeah. But this particular one, he's, He's swimming, he's cranking his little jib, and he's, it's just, it's dumb. I don't know. It's not good. I don't yeah. get it. The whole part when he's in the cage, when the, when the, when the, that surface world is being attacked, he's, all these guys are cruising around on their little water skis and their jet skis, and, and you got not a Morton Joe sitting up in a chair <laughs> and under an umbrella, just kind of watching everything. And, everyone's just kind of screaming and shooting and, and jumping like there's stunts that are happening, but it's like, it was just a giant like um, stunt fair where everyone mm-hmm. was just jumping off a ramp. And it's, that doesn't mean it's good. It, you know, it's, the, yeah, action scenes are happening, but he's in a cage trying to break out. And that that's like 10 minutes of him just trying to, to sink in this muddy water and, and break out of a cage. And it's mm. awful. And, then, yeah. and and it's long. It is a long action sequence of nothing happening except people falling into the water. <laughs> what do you do, Basil? Like, they're going to get back up and get on their fucking jet ski again. It's, it's stupid. No way, man. They can't swim. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be a problem. Yeah. Well, and that's interesting. So I'll, I'll move on to the next one then. Um, and you, you spoke on this earlier where it's just a whole bunch of flair, like jet skis jumping around everywhere and whatnot. You know, Universal Studios, they have seen their fair share of hugely successful blockbuster films. And I'm talking about the theme park. Uh, Hugely successful blockbuster films turned into theme park rides showcased at their parks. Uh, Oftentimes, the rides will get swapped out for newer and bigger films or franchises somewhere down the line. And the one I can think of most recently, well, not most recently, but that sticks out would be like the Back to the Future ride that got changed into Simpsons, I believe. Yeah. Um, so I remember both times I went to Universal Studios was like 20 years apart and I got to experience both. But it's like it was sad that it was gone. But Waterworld is an exception to that rule, uh, even though it, w- it was like technically a, a box office flop in a certain way. It's it's still one of the biggest like attractions that they have there. So, Justin, why do you think that it's it's this movie got turned into this show at Universal and it's still going strong? I think because it, it's just that, like it can have stunts, you know, it can have people doing high flying jumps and leaps and they can land in water. That's like one of the biggest auditorium. It's not really an auditorium, but one of the biggest areas to house fans. So it just all kind of makes sense. It shows how uh, action sequences can be done. You know, when I was a kid, uh, I remember seeing the this fun trivia. You know how I say uh, action spectacular? Mm-hmm. For, for movies i got that from the miami vice action spectacular that was there that was replaced because of Waterworld. And interesting the fir- yeah the first time i went was a, as a kid fucking jaws the revenge was was still being filmed you could see the shark in the parking <laughs> lot up like in the air getting stabbed in the face with the with the boat and this time you know, it's personal <laughs> yeah it's really 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 personal this time <laughs> let's get four reallys in there and Fucking the Miami Vice action spectacular. I thought that was just the greatest thing ever. And then I called it that ever since. And that was oh 1987. Yeah. And then <laughs> and then that went away to the water world in, in 95. And um, wouldn't you know? Yeah, it's like a water world 
like a sea war or some shit like that. And, um, and so I, I just remember that forever and all eternity and seeing like a bunch of, bunch of tough guys with the shoot them up and, and, and punching that turned into an airplane crashing on the water and, and explosions and cool guys jumping in the water. So from, from an action point of view, there's a lot happening with the water world uh, exhibit. So I think it makes sense to kind of keep that movie there as long as people will keep going. Right. But, and maybe that's why people, because I mean, what, 46%. So it's under 50%, but you know, a little more, a little less than half of the population liked this movie. And that could be why, because when I, when I was watching it and all the jet skis are jumping off their things and, they're doing the whole acrobatics over the ramps and whatnot. I still enjoyed it. I mean, it was definitely a popcorn flick for me. And I, I just think the whimsical action scenes reminded me of watching it when I was a kid resurfaced. So that's probably why I liked it more. But I think I think you you hit that nail on the head. It's just it is pretty crazy to see a plane crashing down and then gun firing and people jumping in the water and it kind of has a story. You don't really have to have a dramatic story. You just need to see explosions. So. All right. Yeah, this is Michael Bay pre Michael Bay. Pretty much. Yeah. So um, the world building around this movie, I think, is I think it's pretty awesome. This amalgamation of languages, that water they speak. building. There you go. Water bending. <laughs> the the amalgamation of the languages that they they speak and the ambiguity of, of all the different races kind of create a very interesting backstory for the characters. Waterworld felt like it was just starting to scratch the surface on maybe a bigger and vast world backstory. Uh could there be a sequel? Um, what about a remake? Would you watch it? And what about something like Wind World or Fire World or Earth World? And but I, what I mean by those are Earth, those, Wind, and Fire World. There you go. And I was going to put Heart in there too. But <laughs> but uh, what I'm thinking of is like if they did it in the same kind of vein, like it's not the same universe, but maybe an alternate dimension. It's like this is Fire World or something. Would you be interested in in, in in a sequel or a remake like that? <laughs> no, I I think that uh, Fury Road is probably going to be the greatest movie of my lifetime that deals with sort of this uh, post-apocalyptic action spectacular. I don't I don't think that at least in the next decade or two that it can be topped. Mm-hmm. I think it's just too incredible. And and that is a movie that is to be like loved and studied for years to come. And I think that it is a far superior film to this one. And um, I'm just I'm not interested. Someone that loves the ocean. I hate this fucking movie. (laughs) (laughs) I don't I don't own a boat. Last time I've been on a boat was a long, long time ago. But I love the ocean. I'm drawn to it. I I go to it as often as I can, and I I just hate this fucking movie, man. I hate everything about it. I hate I hate the music. I hate the the set pieces. I hate his dumb boat, and <laughs> I just I hate I hate everything about it. I hate the jet skis. I hate the the vud 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 smoker jet skis. I hate the the giant ship that they're on. I hate that they're driving cars on their ships that are really boats. I just hate everything about it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. You know, they had Thumps. in it. 
they had a three hour ultimate cut of this movie. And I guess they had a cut about 45 minutes of it down. So it, it's called the Ulysses cut, I guess. And there's an alternate yeah. ending where Gene Triplehorn, Helen tells him, you know, like you're, you're, you're like Ulysses um, from the Odyssey. And he wants to go out to the sea to go find other people like him, other mutants like him, not just because he's like scared of land. And I thought that would have been interesting if they added that. I didn't want to watch a three hour movie because uh, he knew it didn't work for Wyatt Earp. So he was he was nervous about it. But that would be yeah, interesting. He, he has got a lot of long movies. JFK is really long. Dance with Wolves is really long. Um, and I and I know that there was like TV versions of the movie that had different scenes in it that weren't in right. the theatrical cut as well. Right. Um, so I, I imagine if you get this, this super mega Costner cut of crazy, um, there could be some fun elements to it. Um, but I, I can honestly say that I can go the rest of my life without ever <laughs> watching this movie ever again. That fucking sucks. And you know, that reminds me speaking about JFK, I actually like the movie JFK quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I own it <laughs> and uh, digitally and uh, it's a lot of fun, but uh, I just, I fucking hate this movie, man. I don't know what, maybe, maybe it's because Mad Max is just so superior to it. Mm-hmm. I think I think road warrior is, is, is leaps and bounds better than this movie. Uh, and again, that hero doesn't talk a whole lot either. So I don't, I don't think you need uh, someone that talks a lot. It's just Kevin Costner does talk a lot in all these movies. You know, he's, He's he's a talker that one, and for him just to just swim around and get in fights, it just it doesn't work. You're right; he's not an action star. Yeah, he he might be a box office draw, but that doesn't mean he's an action star. Exactly. Um, did you ever see Ring of Fire? I have the dragons. I love, yeah, I love that movie. So that movie is is more akin to what I'm thinking of, like a fire world, you know. Except there's dragons in this one, but I think that would be interesting if they kind of did something in alternate universe. Similar to that, maybe they could call it the the world world cinematic world or something. I don't know, but it's, it's be... Rain of Fire, though, isn't it? Oh shit! Why did I put Ring of Fire? Rain of Fire, me mall, me mall. There's, but a, I, there's yeah. a Johnny Cash song. <laughs> it's a burning thing. <laughs> Can you uh, imagine the dragons are flying around and it's like. <laughs> Only fell into a, that'd be awesome. So, uh, you know, that's I'm glad you, you, you brought up Mad Max Fury Road. I think there are a ton of similarities to MMFR in in this movie, Waterworld. You know, the Deacon, he's he's like a discount in Morton Joe. He feeds the people spam or smeat or whatever it is. He's acting kind of like as this deity, you know. He treats these precious resources like water and um, people fight. They fight and they die for him through this movie. It also has a lone vagabond who's asked to help women get to freedom, both the similarity between, you know, each film. And then like the vagabond doesn't like or trust the women at first, but grows to like them. Endless similarities. Do you think that this movie, or I'm sorry, do you think that um, Mad Max Fury Road got some inspiration from Waterworld or did Waterworld gain inspiration from the Road Warrior? Well, so I, I do think that those are some very fair comparisons. Um, I always looked at Fury Road as more of a of a reboot to the Road Warrior, <laughs> um, just because my hatred uh, for Waterworld sort of erased <laughs> it from my memory. And uh, interestingly enough, when I watched Fury Road, not once did I ever think about 
Waterworld. But when I watched Waterworld, I couldn't help but think of how much better mm-hmm. Fury Road was. Um, yeah. So I don't know. That's interesting. That's it's definitely fair. Um, I, I I couldn't say one way or another, but I I do think that there are definite comparisons to the Road Warrior and and just and you know watching it and someone saying you know this movie is pretty great, but I fucking hate the desert. I'd rather make this movie <laughs> in the water. <laughs> hear right. me out. Hear me out. The water, <laughs> the water <laughs> world, and it'll be great. And 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 I think the idea here is that when you are shooting on the water, they weren't planning on having a whole lot of set pieces. You know, the idea of it being a low budget film mm-hmm. uh, in your head makes sense, right? Like, you know, all we need is a couple of boats, some fucking jet skis from the from the the yacht club, and we'll be all set. And and it didn't end up being that way. It ended up being a nightmare, as you said. And I can I can only imagine. Right. Yeah. It's. I, I mean, I was thinking the similarities and I think actually David Toohey was quoted as saying he did use the Road Warrior as inspiration for this. I mean, you can definitely see a lot of that in it. Um, I'd be remiss if I were to say that uh, George Miller did or didn't use it because I just I, I just flat out don't know. He might have taken ideas and didn't realize that they were from Waterworld. But, you know, I mean, it's so hard to touch Mad Max Fury Road because it's just such a such a perfect film in my mind. Right. And and I don't think I wouldn't go so far as to say that that Waterworld is a ripoff of Road Warrior. I, I I just think that it is a they're the same in that it's a post-apocalyptic journey with, you know, some sort of lone gunman for hire, as it were. And mm-hmm. um, and that and that works. I mean, that could be anything. It could be your fire world or your dirt world or your snow world or whatever the hell you want to make. But um <laughs> What was it? Oh, your wind world. Yeah. Wind world. Holland with all these windmills. That's gonna be fucking sweet. They could be in hot air balloons and stuff. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, now we're talking with spikes. They have like they have like speed racer type weapons on their hot air balloons and they're just they're like popping each other. Bioshock Infinite. There you go. Yeah. And um Yeah, so I, I don't think that it is like a, a copycat or a ripoff. I just think I, I, the idea itself is fascinating, with, especially with climate change and, and this whole idea that we have fucked this planet over so bad that we are <laughs> going to get flooded. And, 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 and in some way that that makes a lot of sense. You know, I don't mm-hmm. I don't know how realistic it is that if, if all the ice sheets were to melt, does that mean that Everest would be the only thing above water? Or I just know that when I put too many goddamn ice cubes in my glass, I don't get a whole lot of water. <laughs> That's really all I know. Or like the bathtub is is three quarters full, but when my fat ass gets in it, it goes over. So if an ice cube or if an iceberg weighs more than two hundred and fifty pounds, then we're in trouble. So I, I don't. That's that's my the extent of my science. So I, I do think it's a fascinating premise. Mm-hmm. I think that what the real catch is that this was 1995 and it's already too late. Like we're, we're headed down this path of climate change. The world is ending because we have just fucked it up so much. And whether it be ice that melts or a sun nuking us or because of the ozone or whatever the case may be, um, we are in a lot of trouble. I mean, just, just water alone, clean drinking water. You know, we could sit here and and joke about taking baths and, and buying bath bombs at Target when other people haven't had 
people in this country in like Flint haven't yeah. had clean water in, right. in God knows how long. So, I mean, right. it's just one of those things. And once, once people realize that they need to fight to get this stuff, that's when people are going to start dying. We're going to have unrest. We're going to have people fighting for food and water. People need these things to survive. And, and it's, it's close where we're, we're at a tipping point and that's yeah. terrifying. Yeah. So, um, you know, the smokers in this, they use things like diesel engines, cigarette smoke, the Exxon Valdez boat, uh, alcohol, everything that's unnatural. Whereas the atollers, they believed in growth, uh, sailboats, alternatives to guns and, and peace, right? Was there a hidden message in this movie about climate change? And, and does it scare you or do you think there is no way this could happen? This is just to basically expand on what you were just saying. Well, I, I don't I don't think it was hidden. I think that's the whole point of the movie was pretty, on, pretty was, on the nose with the Exxon Valdez thing and stuff. Yeah. And, and just the, the polar ice caps melting. And I, I do think that I, I didn't notice that the good guys are using guzzling and the bad yeah. guys are using the wind to get around. I, I didn't even make that connection. I was too busy just sitting in my own sick from being irritated from this movie that I didn't even notice, <laughs> but that's actually a really good point. Um, yeah. The idea that, you know, they're trying to grow things and that they're using earth's natural resources to survive and get around versus being a fucking smoker. That's, you know, more less than 25 feet away from the building, you know, just that obnoxious <laughs> yeah. vape, vaping fuck that just likes to sit by the e- entrance and exit of a building and just blow shit in your face. It's never too oh. early to start. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I took yeah. 17th place in a vape contest and now I'm fucking hooked. Nice. You slammed a monster afterwards. <laughs> I, I made a sailboat like Gandalf with all my vape smoke and it was fucking sweet. <laughs> the best pipe weed in the South Farthing. Uh, I remember watching this movie all the time when I was a kid, like I was saying, and, and we had stars back in the day on, on that Comcast cable. And I swear the only movies that ever played on there were Con Air, The Frighteners, Scream, Wes Craven's A New Nightmare, and like Gone in 60 Seconds. Now, until Gabby Tron recommended, recommended it to us, uh, I had mostly forgotten about it. It was one of those aha moments. And I'm like, holy shit, I forgot about that movie and how much like I, I used to love it. Why doesn't this movie get talked about more? And do you think people just don't like Kevin Costner or they just don't like the movie? It might be both. You know, if I were to say Kevin Costner in a sentence with my mom in the room, she would be like, oh, I fucking hate Kevin Costner. <laughs> she, doesn't, she doesn't know the man. He didn't wrong her in any way. She just sat through many hours of his movies and and has never forgiven him for it. And then there's, <laughs> there's a, you know, and then there's just this movie is not good. I don't care who's in it. You could put anybody in this. Jason State, my favorite human being in the world. Kurt Russell could be in this movie. And it would suck. It's just not good. That's so fascinating to me. I, I think that you could take out Kevin Costner and have and have Kurt Russell and just just superimpose him, right? Like it's all the same shit, the same action sequences. Because part of what makes fucking Kurt Russell awesome is like his mannerisms and his the way he talks and like his his attitude, his charisma. You know, he's fucking Fonzie when he's on set, right? But I mean, if he's not given any material to be like amazing, it's just going to fall flat. Like Soldier, perfect example. That movie's not good. And it has Kevin Costner, <laughs> or not Kevin Costner, uh, Kurt Russell. And, um, you know, he doesn't get to talk much. It's not, it's not like Snake Plissken mm-hmm. and fucking 
Escape from New York because those are actually really cool movies, you know, mm-hmm. like the New York and L.A., whatever. L.A. is a little silly, but it's still fun. Whereas Soldiers is not that good. You know, you're taking the Kurt Russell out of Kurt Russell and it's and it doesn't work. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, th- that's a valid point. And like we were talking, I just think that Kevin Costner is not that big draw for an action star. I mean, you put Arnold Schwarzenegger in anything. People are going to see it because they know it's going to be a shoot 'em up bang, bang movie. But. This is this, this is this movie is not though it's it's guys yeah. running around. I mean, there's only like 18 bullets left in the, in the world, and this one asshole <laughs> shoots the side of of the wall for like 20 minutes. Yeah. So like the last of their bullets are pretty much gone, and and it's not even a shoot 'em up. It's a swim and punch movie. It's terrible. <laughs> I swim and I punch all the time, all the time. It's hard. To, it's hard to punch underwater though. I don't even know if he does. Does he beat up anybody in this movie? He kills a guy with a, mach- a machete, and he uh, yeah oh, he, he throws kills a, a knife. He throws a knife. I he guess. kills he kills a lot of people. He like yeah. shoots them with his guns, and he drowns people. And it's it, it's very lazy action in my mind. It I mean, is. like it's, so it's, lazy. it's all stuff that I could do if I had webbed feet and and a receding hairline. I got <laughs> one of the iPhone. two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, there you go. You could make this movie in a fucking ten dollar kiddie pool from Target. It sucks so bad. There you I go. Could. I'm going to do that. So in, 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 in this world, in this water world where there's no internet, no phones, communication through stories or word, word of mouth is basically the only way information can pass on. Uh, we know that dry land is a myth. It's something that we have to hope for, uh, because even though we know it's a myth in our heart of hearts, we gotta, we gotta try to believe that it's real. Is it important to hold on to, to that belief when the world has gone to shit? It, and like, is there a danger to that? Uh, I that's hard for me to speak to. Um, I, I had a really fascinating conversation with a Holocaust survivor once, and he was telling me that he and his friends, all they had was hope and that got them through it. So, I mean, when you talk about things like the end of the world and life as you know it and just hoping that you're going to get rescued. I think that in his case, that's all he had and he was able to survive. So I would say, yes, hope is important. Um, I do think that when you find yourself in, in an extraordinary situation and you have to muster up the strength to to overcome it, then it's it's hard. And there's going to be times where you have doubt and and you got to fight through it. And so in this particular case, I don't know if it's necessarily the same, like hoping that there's going to be dry land when you've already established this life on on these, you know, on the surface cities, I guess. I don't know what to call them. Um, what'd you call them? Atolls? <laughs> yeah, atoll, um, atolls. Yeah, like, I mean, there's that. You can get by, but ultimately, I think if, if it was a life or death situation, then yes, I think hope is one of the most powerful things you could ever have. Yeah. It'd be like if you're and I've never been in prison, but I mean, you know, what what else are you going to hold out for? Got to hold out hope somehow. But so after reading the movie trivia to you, I know and I was expressing how long it was and just how fascinating all of it was. This movie sounds like it was just a complete nightmare to make from production issues to Costner fighting with the director to this just ballooning budget going way over. This movie had so many issues and it reminded me of Apocalypse Now, 
Do you think a movie could be made about the filming of Waterworld? And if so, like a behind the scenes thing, would you watch it? If it was like a 45 minute documentary on Netflix or HBO, I'd watch it. Nope. Three hours. Uncut. Nope. Nope. I'd let you tell me all about it. (laughs) Yeah. I think like 45 minutes to an hour would be really, really awesome to see where, because they've made amends, Kevin Reynolds and Kevin Costner. They worked on the Hatfields and McCoys together too. But it would be fun to hear people's stories and kind of, you know, have them relive it. But uh, just reading, yeah, I, I implore anybody listening to this podcast just to go to the IMDb page, set aside 30 minutes and read just the crazy shit that happened here. It's um, pretty ridiculous. And it was almost all for naught, essentially. Yeah. There's, um, there's a guy that I like to watch on YouTube. Uh, his name is uh, Minty. Uh, and Minty Comedic Arts is his uh, YouTube page, and he has an episode on Waterworld, and it's like ten things you didn't know about Waterworld, and, mm. it, and it's actually pretty good. I'm gonna, I'm all, gonna all, all of his all of his ten things are always fascinating. <laughs> he's this Australian fella, and uh, he's he's great. Okay, I think I know what you're talking about. I watch a lot of a lot of that YouTube there. He um, has uh, like aviator glasses. He's bald. He's got a bunch of toys behind him, mm-hmm. and um, he's great. He's got he's got a lot of fun videos. I he's got hundreds, and I usually have them on like while I'm just in the car. I'll just listen to it. I won't get to watch it, but I'll listen to it. Uh, it's always fun. The the ten things you you didn't know. It's the one that I watch is it's seven things you didn't know probably, and it's from Cinefix. But this is probably, I mean, this is very similar to to what I would watch. So I will subscribe and I will listen to Minty Comedic Arts or watch Minty Comedic Arts. Yeah, he's great. Watch one on like Jaws is really good. <laughs> I mean, they're all they're all actually really really good. But yeah, uh, he's he's great. Check him out. But books, books, check him out. Check him out at your <laughs> local library, at your public library. But um, yeah, man. I mean, so. I, don't, I think this probably goes without saying, but you probably give this an F for your, your rankings for letter grade. I give it a W for Waterworld. <laughs> I mean, that's we'll good, go right? we further down the alphabet. Because <laughs> water, water's usually fresh, so that's certified fresh. So there we go. This Boom. is salty and terrible, and it'll give you diarrhea. It's the worst. <laughs> so, I mean... I still actually had a really good time watching it. I don't think it's a good movie by any stretch of the imagination, but I had a really fun time watching it. So I will give it a C plus. Um, it's just kind of like it's tolerable. It's not horrible. So I think it's a, a little under 50 percent is, is what I do. Like, I don't want to watch it again, but it was good to relive it for a brief moment. I thought about all my stuff when I was a kid, when I was at Universal, watching the jet skis and all that stuff. But Yeah. What's too bad? Do you have anything else you want to add on Waterworld? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I you do not. It is. Uh, it is. I'm glad it's over. Thank you again, Mister Mister Gabitron, for for recommending this movie and forever solidifying how much I can't stand it. So you uh, <laughs> you you uh, you owe me two hours and sixteen minutes. I don't care how you repay those, but uh, I demand reparations. uh yeah i i don't think he's gonna pay up on that but i do appreciate the um recommendation that's what we uh what we love to have from people um do you want me to take us home uh sure uh just on the note of recommendations we do like to pick movies that are streaming on things like netflix or prime or hbo max uh just things that are easily accessible 
to those of us uh, here in the United States. I'm not entirely certain what is available in other markets, but uh, if you are here in the U.S., uh, if it's on Netflix or HBO or whatever, any, any type of streaming service, I think the two of us, between the two of us, we subscribe pretty much to everything. And so um, even if you are across the pond or somewhere else, up north or down south, uh, feel free to recommend it. And if we w- are able to watch it, then we most certainly will. But ultimately, we're thinking of our listeners when we choose these movies, just so you don't have to go out and buy the movie. You can just stream it. Well said. But yes, I, I, I watch this on Stars. It is available for free on Stars because when I want movies, I want to see Stars. <laughs> and uh, do you remember that jingle that they had? Yeah, yeah. It, they did it to Ode to Joy. It was awesome. But uh, I remember yeah. jingles. I just like you. you. I know. Aquaman. So, <laughs> that's that's a Cavender original thing. I know. I know. So it was T H E V O W. I can't remember how it goes. The vow. It was, oh, yeah. In, in the event that you were listening at the beginning of this podcast, when we were talking about the vow documentary available on HBO, we, uh, me and my significant other plowed through the first three episodes in one night. And every time the little not theme song came on at the beginning, I made my own. And it was, <laughs> it was T H E V O W. The vow. And, and it drove her crazy. She didn't like it. But um, I continue to do it because I am terrible and I apologize. I think it's hilarious. But yes, uh, thank you for all the recommendations. Just try to keep in mind, uh, be, be conscious if it is streaming or not. It makes it a whole heck of a lot easier. We both own a lot of movie films, but not everybody owns the movie films we do. So it's uh, it's really great when people can follow up and be like, oh, yeah, I forgot about Waterworld and how amazing it is and how I want to watch it again. So (laughs) (laughs) I can't imagine a human being that has ever said those words. But uh, if you do love this movie, I I appreciate you and I love you and and I'm praying for you. (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't pray too often. Super devil uh, juice. (laughs) Yeah, little girl. (laughs) You, You will get the old thoughts and prayers if you like this movie. Yikes. Well, yeah. Well, with that being said, thank you for listening to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. We had a lot of fun today. I think so. Talking about the water world there. Uh, greatest movie ever made. Remember to follow us on Twitter at DBCrazyPod. Justin's Twitter handle is at EdgyArmo. And my uh, Twitter handle, Zach, is ZachDale60, where you can share your thoughts with us and we will discuss them on our show, just like our friend Mr. Gabriel, Mr. Gabitron. Thank you for the recommendation. Keep them up, guys. We love them. Uh, please just also be sure to check out uh, the other amazing podcasts on the Geek Legacy Network. We have the Geek Legacy Podcast with David, Randy, and Justin. They talk about everything geeky, and it's cool because they're a bunch of nerds. And then Justin is so famous, he has another podcast with Stephen K. Janes. It is the Pixelated Podcast where they talk about video games. A lot of stuff going on now with the consoles coming out, so I can only imagine it's going to be some some hot sex content. I dig it. You know, all that we ask is just please remember, don't be crazy. Thank you for listening. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you so much.